Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. UVA football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. All right, welcome back everyone to the Guys and Ties podcast. It, it is midweek and Rob and I wanted to put out a second episode this week because we are super, super excited about basketball. And speaking of Rob, I've got Rob with me. Rob, what's going on? Dude, just just grinding through the week, you know, but the question is, does this count as bonus content? I'm not sure if this is bonus content. It's kind of bonus content. I think I think it's just another episode just and content i think yeah yeah we're just putting out a lot of content there's a lot of content to cover and we wanted to get a head start on it basketball season starts uh in a couple of days and so rob and i are going to start putting out more basketball content which is my favorite thing but we also love football so you probably hopefully heard our football episode earlier in the week it was released on sunday night monday morning it was really good <laughs> I think it was really good. It was awesome. It was a good episode. But what we're going to do now is we're going to talk a little bit basketball. And we are going to do a more comprehensive basketball episode next weekend, uh, this upcoming weekend. But what we're going to do right now is we're going to talk a little bit more about the hypothetical questions that we have coming into the basketball season. Probably the questions that we aren't going to be able to answer until we see what Tony's thinking and what the team is thinking and how they work together. And then on the weekend, we're going to do more of a nuts and bolts episode, kind of the definitive stuff. We'll go over players, we'll go over games. So that's going to be a more regular kind of what is the season going to look like from what we think. And then this episode is going to be more of, oh, this is, we have no idea. So let's talk about it a little bit. Yeah. No, I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, you got Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, and DeAndre Hunter. I think we know what we're going to get from those three guys and they're mm-hmm. going to be really good all of them and maybe you throw jack salt in there maybe not the really good part but you have jack salt in there we know what he's but, bringing yeah exactly but outside of that i mean even mamadi diakite we know he's athletic and he has a high ceiling but we don't really know what he's going to look like in the starters role and then you start getting into the bench and i mean there's really really not much there that we know there's a lot of question marks there and so we're gonna kind of go over those some of those question marks that are like kihei jay huff braxton key and some other question marks that we have and with that we're gonna have some help from a special guest but rob i want to start off with 
saying what is one like probably the biggest question that you have coming into the basketball season i mean to me it's guard depth and mm-hmm. how we play at guard because getting braxton key is big and he can come in and he can play the three and i think he can play it pretty well mm-hmm. but we really have one backup for the one and two and that's going to be kihei clark and by all indications he showed very well you know we saw him in the scrimmage and he played fine, wasn't spectacular by any means, but he played fine. But the reports are out of the scrimmages that he's played really well. And I mean, there were tweets this week. Some people were like, why didn't UCLA go after him being a California guy? You know, there's there's a lot of optimism around this guy for a five foot nine under recruited three star point guard. Mm-hmm. And he's going to play a significant role this year. And to me, that's what I'm thinking is. How many minutes can this guy play, and can he give us good minutes? Yeah, it's between him and and also what can Marco bring to the guard depth because Marco played sparingly last season, and we didn't really see probably what his ceiling is at all, mm-hmm. or hopefully we didn't see it. I mean, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully he can step up this season and really you know produce some good minutes for us because our guard depth is is it's not lacking, but it's definitely the space that has the most unknowns behind kyle and ty who comes next and i think i agree with you i think the guard depth is really interesting and also another question i have is braxton key and his role can is he able to play the because we keep saying he can play the three but we don't actually know yeah if he can play the three can he play the three or is he gonna take the four spot and deandre has to play the three so I think we're just gonna have to figure that out as the season goes on, yeah. and hopefully our guest who we're gonna bring on later can help us answer that a little bit more. And one of those things with Braxton Key too is like we don't really have a good comp for him. You know, it's mm-hmm. we have his freshman year where he was good and he was all SEC team, but that was two years ago now. Mm-hmm. And then we have last year where he was hurt to start the year and mm-hmm. maybe didn't fully get back on track, but probably took at least production-wise, a little bit of a step back his sophomore year. Some of that's probably due to injury. But we don't have a good comp for him. In my head, I think about he's going to be used similar to how we used DeAndre Hunter last year. We know Mm -hmm. he's going to play a lot of minutes. Uh, We know he's going to be probably the sixth guy off the bench, would be my guess. But, you know, we don't don't have a great comp. We don't know exactly what he's going to look like. All we've seen from him, kind of like the freshman, is what we saw in the scrimmage Mm -hmm. and people have spoken very highly of him and he's apparently played well in the scrimmages braxton key that is but he's very much an unknown you know we have all these ideas in our head but until we actually see him on the floor he's definitely a player that uh that's definitely worth talking about and about how we're gonna use him Mm -hmm. yeah i agree and i I think that it's it's hard for us especially because we don't have access to the team right now we can't really see what tony and the other coaching staff is is doing with them mm-hmm. and doing with the uh with the other guys as well and also what that lineup is going to look like you know we know the starting lineup but tony has especially last year he loved to wait until the after four or the under four mm-hmm. sorry under 16 to the under 16 to bring in someone off the bench and yeah. usually that someone was DeAndre Hunter, especially towards the end of the season, and he would come in for Jack Salt, and that was kind of our main lineup. You know, we had we had Kyle, we had Ty, we had DeAndre, we had Mamadi. Isaiah. No, 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 sorry. So we had Isaiah and we had DeAndre. Yeah. That was kind of our, our star lineup, and that's what uh, Bennett really liked to do. Like, start off Jack, 
with uh, set the tone for the defense and then bring it bring in DeAndre for more offense. But I don't think he is really the same role as DeAndre. I think he's going to come in for different reasons. Is he going to be more of an Anthony Gill type player where he can come in and get some fouls early on? Uh, we don't know. But yeah. I think I, it's one of these things where we're going to have to see and we're going to have to just go along with it. Yeah. And I mean, another thing I'm looking at is Jay Huff. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we saw his offensive talent. We've seen it in non-conference games. We saw it in the scrimmage this year. But, you know, how's he going to play on defense? And where does he fit on the floor? Is he a four? Is he Mm -hmm. a five? You know, how do we get the best five players on the floor? And really, who are the best five players? You know, Kyle, Ty, and DeAndre. There are three of them. Who are the next best five that we need to get on the floor? And Jay Huff certainly has the offensive talent to put his name in this conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, you know, Tony's all about not the talent, but also the team and how the team functions. So if Jay Huff might be our best offensive player on the team, I mean, honestly, I mean, he, he's old, he's got, well, think about it. He's got, he's got the down, he's got the post moves. Mm -hmm. He can take it, uh, take you from the outside to the inside off the dribble. He can shoot. I think he's a, a really big talent on our team on the offensive end, but if his defense is lacking, if he's not gelling with other people, he's not going to get playing time. Yeah. I mean, you got to look at his feet. Can he move his feet quick enough? Right. And you got to look at his strength. I mean, quite frankly, I thought he did do okay against Jack Salt in the scrimmage mm-hmm. when they would match up. But yeah. at the same time, Jack Salt's not the most offensively skilled, quickest guy on the floor. Yeah. What's he going to do against a guy that has his athleticism, but mm-hmm. also has Jack Salt's build? Yeah. I mean, there's... These are some of the questions we're going to just ponder in this episode, and I don't know if we're going to really be able to answer any of them until we see the floor, and that's kind of the point. But, I mean, there's there's a lot that could really elevate our team, but then there's a lot of questions that you're like, ah, well, maybe I shouldn't feel as good about that. You know, we're going to try to explore that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think with that, we're going to bring on our guest. That's right. Chris Wright, thesaber.com. Second appearance on the Guys and Ties podcast. Excited to bring him on. All right, let's do it. All right, so we have Chris Wright on the show. Chris, second time back on. It's great to have you back. Thanks for having me. Uh, always fun to talk to UVA folks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. So we got a lot of questions that we want to ask you that try to figure out kind of what we can expect from our bench. And the player that I think it's so intriguing to me is Kihei Clark. Kihei Clark is a guy that has apparently played well in scrimmages so far and played well in practice, and he might be the first, you know, true guard off the bench. Is there a certain role you're expecting him to play this season, and how do you think he fits into what Tony Bennett wants to do with this team? Yeah, I think you have to start kind of with, you know, what kind of minutes are available, right? So I've been saying since signing day that he's going to play some, um, just because there is no other you know, true point guard or even, you know, combo guard that would be as comfortable playing some point guard minutes. So I thought he would be doing that from the get-go, particularly, you know, with Devin Hall now gone, and he's wearing Devin Hall's number conveniently. You know, Devin was the one that kind of handled the the point guard duties, even though Virginia lets all the guards bring it up the floor. They let all the guards initiate. You know, it was Ty Jerome and Devin Hall for the majority of the, you know, time doing that kind of role last year. So that they need somebody to step in there. So I thought he would play some minutes right off the bat. 
throughout the summer, off season, you know, talk, you know, just talking, and you kind of hear through the grapevine. It sounds like he's going to play more than that, uh, maybe. So, what does that shuffle out at? Does that come to, you know, eight minutes a game, ten minutes a game, fifteen minutes a game? Um, I think we're looking a lot at kind of the Nigel Johnson role, possibly, right? You know, in that fourteen-ish minutes per game. Uh, play mostly in Ty Jerome's resting period, but maybe to get Ty off the ball a little bit. Um, and he brings a skill set that they need, you know, somebody that can break down a defense off the dribble. They have some guys that can do that, but not in the same way that Clark can do it. He can do it with speed. He can do it with just being lower than the other defender. Um, he just brings a lot to the table that they don't have already. So I, I think that reason, too, puts him in that 10 to 14 minutes type of range is what I would be expecting. You say you hear things through the grapevine. You know, we played Villanova in a scrimmage on Saturday. Have you been able to hear anything through the grapevine that kind of pertains to those scrimmages? I mean, you see stuff pop up on social media. You you know, you kind of hear things, people talking that they so-and-so <laughs> saw one of the players or, you know, whatever. The um, Both scrimmages have included murmurs of Clark, right? Like that mm-hmm. he played really well. We saw him in the blue-white scrimmage, just that one play where he took the Andre Hunter off the dribble um, yeah. and then finished at the rim. So we definitely know there are some some hints there that he brings a skill set that could make them very successful because he can get to the paint. Whether he can finish or not will be the big question. But we saw with Perantes, who came in as a freshman from the West Coast, watching his high school film, he couldn't finish very well when he first got here against the big ACC caliber bigs, mm-hmm. but he could touch the paint and make a lot of other players better. We saw that from the get-go with Francis. So if Clark can just do that and then improve his finishing over his career here, I I think he's a valuable piece because you have so many shooters on the roster. He touches the paint, kicks it out, and you let those guys kind of be marksmen, right? So I I just think it's a skill set that they could use. It's why they brought in Nigel Johnson last year in a lot of ways too. So not surprising that that Tony, you know, ended up with Clark. He was down the list in terms of point guard recruits, Um, but they followed him the whole time and then, offered him when things kind of didn't pan out with some other guys, including Quinterly, Mm -hmm. um, who he played against yesterday in that Villanova scrimmage. That was the same skill set they were looking at with Quinterly, was get off the bounce, touch the paint, make make some plays off the dribble a little bit more. So he fits all the things they were looking for with that recruiting spot. Yeah, no, I mean, he's an interesting player to watch. And another guy we kind of want to touch on is Braxton Key. Obviously, he became eligible last week. How does he fit in the backcourt lineup, or should we be thinking of him more in the front court? I mean, how should we think about his role this season on the team? You know, Coach Bennett called him a, a three-slash-four at Operation Basketball mm-hmm. um, this past week. So, I mean, that's how Virginia's looking at him, as in a combo forward sort of, you know, role. A face-up forward, <laughs> maybe, is the way to think of it. Uh, could be a guard. Um, does that make him and DeAndre Hunter both interchangeable? Right, So if they want to go to small ball lineups like they did last year that were so successful, if both of those guys are similar, it doesn't mean that DeAndre's always going to be playing the four in those lineups where last year he was pretty much the four all the time. You know, Devin did it a little bit, but for the most part it was when they went small ball, uh, Hunter was the mismatch guy. Well, if you have two of those, uh, it gives you more flexibility, more versatility um, with what you do from possession to possession. And it may not be – that DeAndre's in the, the middle of a zone every single time. Um, as effective as he is there, maybe he is. <laughs> maybe you do put DeAndre in there all the time, but you don't have to if you have another option on the floor that can do that. So it, it's very intriguing, 
you know, there was a huge hole with guard minute uh, before he was available, right? Mm-hmm. So you were anticipating Clark taking some of those, and then there were still some more left. So that was looking at Marco Anthony um, getting some minutes. He probably still will, particularly early in the season, but, you know, maybe his minutes drop a little bit. And then maybe does it impact a guy like uh, Badoki or Jay Huff because they go small ball more because they have more versatility. So I, I anticipate him playing a lot. I really do. I, I think his skill set, the way he uh, played, and Bama was a good defensive team. They made the tournament. Um, he's coming from a different style, but a team that was at least willing to play defense. I, I think he's going to carve out significant minutes. Yeah, I think I think you brought up a good point is that Tony says he's a 3-4, and I think what Rob and I touched on last week a little bit was that, you know, we're not really sure where he's going to play because does he fit in more of the four spot, like uh, Anthony Gill type player who can really kind of bang down low, or is he more of a DeAndre Hunter who can take people off the dribble and create his own shot? And so I think that's something that, I mean, I, I'm not really sure of, and I think that, I think it's interesting, I think it's going to be interesting to see how the staff uses him uh, during the season and going forward into the season. Yeah, I think on that spectrum, he's much closer to Hunter than he is to Gill. Um, he strikes me from watching the blue-white scrimmage and remembering him back when he was being recruited um, as a guy that's more comfortable facing up. Anthony did that too, obviously, but did it with a little more power, whereas mm-hmm. um, Hunter does it with an incredible first step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, no doubt. So, but, but I think he is more on that end of the spectrum. If he's anywhere in the same realm as DeAndre, um, mm-hmm. it's going to be a, a really good year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, if we could have two of those type players. Oh, man. Yeah. But one thing we want to transition to, we want to start our second annual what do we do with Jay Huff conversation. <laughs> Jay Huff is obviously a super, super talented player, but is he a guy that is going to get minutes? And if so, how? Is he going to be a four? Is he going to be a five? We, we're curious what your thoughts are. Should Jay Huff be on the floor, and how do you get him on there? Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to play this year in part because he has to. I think the team needs him to. This is a different team than last year. The question is, how do they use him, right? So he is naturally suited to be a stretch forward, whether he plays the four or the five. His role would be more the screen and pop type of guy than an always screen and roll toward the rim type of guy. Um, he certainly, you know, you look at, at zones, you know, if, if you invert, right, and have uh, Hunter in the middle and you slide Huff out to one of the corners, that's a lot of ground for guys to have to cover up. You could put him in the middle of the zone because he's so big. Could shoot over, you know, a guy like Syracuse has in the middle usually. Um, he's an intriguing offensive guy. He just is. He can shoot. He covers a lot of ground because he's so long. He, he big steps. He doesn't have to necessarily be a great ball handler because he may need only one dribble um, to get anywhere. So, it's intriguing, right? They they didn't need him as much last year because of a handful of things. One, Devin Hall had an incredible senior year, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that gets overlooked, I think. DeAndre emerged, right? And back in, like, the Austin P game when Jay Huff blew up in his first appearance and JPJ was going nuts and all that kind of stuff, DeAndre wasn't who DeAndre ended up being yet, yeah, right? So real. at that point in the season, you're going, yeah, maybe it's Huff, right? Yeah. But then things happen over the course of a season. They just do. So I think he's going to play. They need him to. They they need some minutes from him. I think he probably takes a few of those minutes with how small ball is going to shuffle out. But there are still somewhere in the neighborhood of probably 10, 15 minutes a game, something like that, available potentially for him. You, you're talking about Jay Huff, and 
and what he brings on the offensive floor. But I think part of the reason why he didn't play as much maybe last year and why some fans are were disappointed he didn't play last year is I think his defense is something that is lacking. And, you know, Tony's not going to play people if they do not have the defensive capabilities to play. And so uh, we've we've heard things uh, kind of around that Badochi is really good with the pack line defense. And it, do you think that Badochi will get some of the playing time that Jay might get just because of how he handles the pack line? Badoki is probably better at the pack line than Jay Huff is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you're also hearing some stuff through the grapevine that Badoki may not be 100% healthy right now. So mm-hmm. um, I think at least early in the season – uh, that may not even be a question that needed to be answered for Tony. He may not even need to answer it if <laughs> yeah. he's not healthy enough mm-hmm. to get in the lineup. So we'll have to see because he didn't dress for blue-white scrimmage. Right. Um, I don't think he played in the Richmond scrimmage hearing kind of through the grapevine again on some of that stuff. So <laughs> We love the grapevine. The grapevine's the, spinning out a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, the, the grapevine is the the uh, the most popular news source in <laughs> the world when it comes to Virginia basketball because they don't release anything about their scrimmages. It, right. Yeah, you've got Roy Williams commenting about the Villanova scrimmage. He's quoted from his official website, uh-huh. Virginia scrimmage with Villanova. You get a, a cameo nice Twitter little... picture with Jay Wright. Yeah. Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> Jay Wright said some very <laughs> that's nice what, that's things. That's all we're going to get. Right. But back to Huff defensively, like, it, I think people are, like, exaggerated a little bit. He's not great defensively, but mm-hmm. it's not. People jump immediately to the hedge, right? Yeah. Can Bigman jump out in front of a ball handler and stop him, like, uh, Akil Mitchell did, mm-hmm. and unfortunately for everybody that followed Akil Mitchell, that's automatically what you're compared to, right? Because right. <laughs> Akil was incredible at it, right? And then Isaiah's been good at it. Uh, Mike Toby was at least serviceable at it. Uh, <laughs> Anthony Gill got better at it, et cetera, et cetera. But Akil Mitchell was kind of the standard bearer, right? Mm-hmm. So we look at Jay Huff and go, "The guy can't hedge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he can't hedge, right? There's so much more to it when the coaches are looking at it. They're looking at angles. They're looking at competitiveness, continuity." You know, is he playing throughout the possession? If you watch his minutes on the floor last year and a few cameos and ACC play, stuff like that, I thought his biggest issue was getting frozen. And when I say that, feet freeze, body freezes, and you can see almost like the head turning. And his mm-hmm. head wasn't turning, but if you imagine, it's like, whoa, what's going on? I'm processing. Oh, I'm supposed to be over here, right? Yeah. And to me, that's where he's lacking at is the continuity to go from one role to the next. Can you hedge and then get back and – uh, get on the top side in the post. Can you post trap and then recover out with a high hand? Can you, right? There's so many like little things that go into defense the way Virginia plays it. Mm-hmm. And continuity is the number one thing to make those things work. And I don't think he was there yet last year. And also a couple times last year, I know when I was watching games, I w- Jay Huff had a couple blocks where he, he lost to the defender or he lost the guy with the ball, but he was able to catch up to them and block it from behind because he's so athletic. And so I think a lot of people saw that and was like, oh, well, why isn't he playing more? You know, he has all these blocks. And I think part of it is, well, he was out of position and he just ended up (laughs) being able to get back and block it. Right. So having an eraser and recovering is always good. Right. But ideally, you don't want to be in that position to begin with. Exactly. And again, it comes down to to net right i think tony's big into net versus mm-hmm. how good are you offensively how good are you defensively mm-hmm. how good are you combined yeah right so toby wasn't as good defensively but he gave you a lot offensively mm-hmm. isaiah was not as good offensively but gave you a lot defensively where does the the net come out for that year's team right so isaiah was just a better option at least through late january right somewhere along the way he got hurt and i didn't think it was quite as good defensively down the stretch but 
Isaiah early in the year was having a historical better than Akil, better than Darion, defensive national player of the year type of year, mm-hmm. defensive efficiency. Are you really going to take that off the floor for the hope that Huff, Huff hits a couple of jumpers? Yeah. No, you're not, right? The um, And by the time Isaiah was kind of tailing off on that historical pace, it's almost too late to, to mix and match. DeAndre Hunter had emerged. You know, I think Huff would have played in the UMBC game, mm-hmm. right, after – you know, they needed something. They they could find a guy that could guard the the pick and pop type player for UMBC, but then he gets hurt in mm-hmm. UMBC prep. Right. That's when he tore his uh, rotator cuff. They had surgery on. So we'll see. I think he's going to be a part of this season, and I think the future is still bright if if people will continue to <laughs> kind of stay the course with his development curve. Yeah. It kind of blows my mind that he still has three years left. I feel like we've been talking about what is Jay Huff for years, and you know he's only a sophomore. Well, well this year, yeah, I guess three years. Yeah. But, you know, uh, there's been so many big men at UVA that have taken so long to develop. Like, look at Jack Salt. When Jack Salt came in, he could not he, – he was a foul machine. He could not really do anything. And now he's a, he knows his place on defense, and he can get us, you know, four, four to six points a game. And that's really all we need him for, but he really sets the tone, and he's, he's coming to his place. But I think the big men at UVA take a while to develop. I mean, even if you look back to Akil and Darion, they didn't really carve out their niche until their junior and senior years. Yeah, the, the big men generally take longer, I really think, in any system, unless yeah. you're just special, Carl Anthony Towns mm-hmm. or, you know, Aiton or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. Like, generally, like, if you look around, the Frank Kaminsky's, the Kennedy Meeks at North Carolina, yeah, all of these guys take a little longer to become what they really can be as big men mm-hmm. um, at this level. Definitely. And then I guess transitioning a little bit back to the backcourt, one more player we want to touch on is Marco Anthony. You know, he came in and played, you know, all things considered pretty well in that Louisville game last year. I think he scored 10 points. But, you know, we're kind of curious, is he or Kihei Clark, they're going to fill different roles, but is one going to be the first guy off the bench over the other? Just kind of what's your take on Marco Anthony and what type of role we can expect for him this season? I mean, I think probably Braxton Key is the first guy off the bench. Um, and then I would think Clark would be ahead of Anthony right now mm-hmm. um, in terms of the next guard off the bench. And I'm anticipating it being a Kike, Salt, Hunter, Guy, Jerome starting five. Mm-hmm. Key being the sixth man. And then whoever your first post sub is, my guess would be uh, Jay Hutt, but I don't know that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second guard sub to me would be Clark just because of how everything kind of stacks up. So. Um, you need point guard minutes, right? It gives you flexibility, et cetera, et cetera. So where does that leave Anthony? That leaves him, you know, somewhere around eighth, ninth, maybe tenth um, in the rotation. We know that Virginia under Coach Bennett has generally played eight with a nine getting spot minutes. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about when the lineups kind of shuffle out versus these early games. But generally it's been four perimeters four big and then a kind of a swing minute type of guy like Nolte. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure where, where Clark, uh, where Anthony fits into that with Clark kind of emerging. Right. So I think you've got 33 minutes ish going to guy Jerome and Hunter 33 each mm-hmm. uh, give or take how many of those for Hunter go to small ball lineups will determine how many more minutes are available on the wing. But that means there's, there's plenty of minutes available out there, but I think Key's going to eat up a bunch of them. I think Clark's going to eat up situational ones, and then I think it becomes um, Anthony kind of becomes the the spot minute guy, and that 
ninth or tenth spot that makes plays sometimes, maybe it's matchup specific, maybe foul trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he has a valuable role, but right now I'm having a hard time seeing it in the top eight. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a really fair assessment because, I mean, he did, he did play really well when he did play last year, but he he always, and Rob said this about him in the scrimmage, he kind of got lost on the offense. Like, he didn't really see, is that what you said, Rob? He he didn't really Yeah, just I just don't see, do I don't see as high of a ceiling, I guess. Um, you know, it, it's, Kihei Clark just looks so much more natural out there. And it was a little tougher for Anthony. He played on the white team to begin with, so he would be the fourth or fifth option in that lineup. Yeah. <laughs> um, a little easier to get lost when you're not, you know, the the bring the ball up. You know, Clark on the blue team was in the top three in terms of options, I would think. You know, Key, Dikite, and Clark started on the blue team in the blue-white scrimmage. So that could have been part of it. But ultimately, I think Anthony's, you know, he, he wasn't expected to play last year very much. Maybe he could have redshirted, you know, ended up playing. But just, he's an interesting case study. I, I don't know if he is on a slower path, right, like a Devin Hall path. <laughs> what, what did Coach Bennett call him last year, the crockpot or something like yeah. that? <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I think that's right. Senior and senior years where where we expect it, right? And particularly if some of these guys leave, if they have the type of year that's possible. Um, Anthony could have a huge role um, if he's willing to continue to to slow cook things. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I guess one last question before we end. I think Braxton Key is ACC sixth man of the year. Am I crazy? No, I think there's a strong possibility that that happened. The question for me is more what will his numbers look like? The guys that have won that for Virginia, Justin Anderson, Mike Toby, both had really strong offensive um, kind of statistical games off the bench. And mm-hmm. I don't know what he will do in terms of averages, particularly on this particular team. But what I do know is whether he wins that or not, <laughs> the um, watching that scrimmage, the number one thing that jumped out to me was that he fit, right? And mm-hmm. that's always something you worry about with transfers. Do they fit? Does it look right? He clearly, like the ball moved. It didn't stick. Um, he made a couple uh, drive and penetrate type plays. He, I know he kicks one out to Statman for three. He, he's active on the glass both in the scrimmage and what we're hearing elsewhere. Uh, these are all things that get you on the floor at Virginia. Defensively, he gave Kyle Guy fits during that blue-white scrimmage, even though it was kind of generic vanilla basketball, right? Mm-hmm. Kyle Guy's really hard to guard. He was he was there with him, even though Guy's a little quicker than he is. So all of those things typically bode well for you in Virginia's system. Um, whether that leads to votes or not, I don't know. But um, I think it's at least a possibility, depending on what his offensive numbers look like. Great stuff. Great stuff, as always. Dustin, you got anything else? I think one last thing that staying on key is just that, you know, his stats were down his sophomore year and, you know, we just talked about stats, like what are they going to be? And are are his offensive stats going to be enough to get him that sixth player of the year? I think we know that he's pretty good on defense and that, as we just said, you know, he can stay with Kyle. I think he can guard pretty much the two through the four, depending on the matchup. But his offense is is kind of the the is not really a question mark because we know that he he can kind of shoot a little bit. His freshman year, he shot um uh what was it, three? It was thirty three percent from three, and then his sophomore year dropped down to twenty five percent. So can he bring up that three point percentage? And if so, where where does that leave him? Is he another shooter, or is he someone who can take people in the paint? I think that's the big question for him. I think if, if he can hit the three, um, 
then Virginia's in for a very good year. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything a way around that. Yeah. And the only I'll just leave you with this thought in terms of of the key. Darius Thompson supposedly couldn't shoot when he came here either. Mm-hmm. Um, and he became a a fairly reliable um, spot up type of shooter um, during his time here. So. Coach Bennett and staff do a very good job of putting guys in spots to be successful, mm-hmm. right? So he's not going to be taking pull-up off-the-dribble threes, but I suspect he will be spotted up in his highest percentage spots with guys willing to kick it out, right? So mm-hmm. at Alabama, that may or may not have been true um, as frequently <laughs> as it will be here. Yeah, most definitely. And he hit a couple threes during the scrimmage too, so... Yeah, well, he's got the right coach to teach him how to shoot threes. <laughs> No doubt. No doubt. Everybody, Chris Wright of thesaber.com, you know, got to follow the site. Always keep it open on your computer. That's just how you get through the workday. Chris, thanks for coming on. Maybe we need one of those incognito browsing (laughs) or something. Hopefully my coworkers aren't listening. Screen switch really quick. (laughs) All right. Thanks Thanks, for coming on, Chris. All right, guys, that was Chris Wright of thesaber.com. You know, he knows his football, but I know he loves his hoops, and it's great to get him on to talk about basketball. It's always good to get a hoops guy on. No doubt, no doubt. So I guess as we kind of wrap up this, I'm just going to call it a bonus episode, but as we wrap up this episode, one thing that we really want to emphasize here as we reflect is just this is a very, very different team from last year. You know, I thought Chris brought up a really good point. You know, we knew we had Kai and Tile last year. Ty and Kyle. Yeah. DeAndre Hunter, he didn't really come out of his shell until that Virginia Tech game. Yeah. That was like in January. Mm -hmm. You know, he had a little bit of a rough start to the season. And, you know, now we've got those three guys. But what else does the rest of the roster look like? And, I mean, the truth is, is that we're not going to really know maybe until January. We know that this team is very different from last season. And we know that what they're going to bring is talent. And we know there is talent across the board. We've got offensive talent. We've got defensive talent. And I think the the key is to bring it all oh, together. Braxton Key. No, but I think, I think the real... <laughs> we're one of them. <laughs> I, we're going to make as many key jokes as we can this year. But I think the, the main thing is to, can we put it all together? Especially with the bench players. And I think that this we can even bring this back to how last season ended and say that a lot of these players did not have major roles in that game. Yeah. And those who did, you know, Ty, Kyle and Ty have both answered for the UMBC loss. They have both, I think they're both over it. I think they are sick of being asked about it. And I think they're ready to show people that they don't care what happened last season and that they're ready for this season to start in this, so that they can show what they have and how far they've gotten. DeAndre's only going to get better. The addition of Braxton Key can only help us. Mamadi and Jack are ready to lock down the paint. And I think the way that last season ended has no effect on this team. There was a great, I mean, there were a ton of great articles mm-hmm. after ACC Media Days. And Really, the one thing that stood out was just Tony Bennett's quotes. You know, when you go back to the UMBC game, his idea that, you know, you can go through the highs and you can go through the lows, but at the end of the day, as long as you still enjoy it, that's where he finds his joy, he finds his peace. And even after the UMBC loss, he still had his love for the game, the same passion for the game. And that's how he knows that 
he's doing something right. And it was really inspiring and, you know, not really what we're talking about this episode, but I don't I don't look at the UMBC game and it's done, it's over, and this is an entirely different team. And, you know, maybe it, that's good or bad considering how good we were in the regular season in ACC tournament last year. But, you know, this team, all of a sudden you put Jay Huff on the floor, this is an entirely different lineup. If you can be effective on the floor, that's... Mm-hmm. I mean, that opens up a whole new world of possibilities. And you look at all these other players, too. You know, Kihei Clark, what is he going to bring? You know, is he a John Tell Evans type of guy? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of unknowns. And I don't think you can really... We know the team is going to be good. But I don't know how much we can bucket it into one way or the other until we really just get into the games and get a feel for what we're going to look like. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm sick of the umbc comments and i'm over it i i really am i i'm over the game it, it's gonna suck you know hearing it every single time we're on tv but i it's not it doesn't make me sad anymore i don't need to you know go take a long shower at anymore like, I, i'm over it i i'm over it and i'm ready for the season to start yeah that's the, it there's a lot of intriguing things that we're going to be following and like dustin said at the beginning of the of the episode next week we're going to really dive in break down the roster top to bottom we we might even go through 30 games and make our predictions <laughs> Ooh, that would be a long episode <laughs> we'll see we'll see we're gonna get into the granular stuff but we what we really wanted to cover today was what is this team gonna look like we know what the starters are but who are the x factors who are the guys that ha- are gonna have the opportunity to emerge and make this team different than last year's team and really start writing their own story yeah and and with that i think this is where we end the episode. And so thank you for listening to this extra midweek episode. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to follow us on Snapchat if you really want to at Guys and Ties Pod. <laughs> follow us on iTunes or Podbean if you want more episodes. And we'll see you uh, this weekend. Go Hoos. Go Hoos.